In C.S. Lewis's well-known children's story, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Aslan, who is the lion, the king, represents Jesus, the Christ. Well, Aslan offers himself as a sacrifice. He's killed on a stone table in order to turn back the winter that has settled upon Narnia to make right all those things that have gone wrong. Immediately after his death and when he's raised, as the dawning of the sun comes up, as the light begins to break in, Aslan immediately goes to the witch's castle. And he goes to her statue garden. It's a place where she has statues of animals and creatures and people that she has solidified. She has frozen, if you will, in stone. They're all through her statue garden. And immediately Aslan walks among them and he breathes on them to bring about new life. Jesus said long before his death and his resurrection that I have come in order that you might have life and have it to the full, in full abundance, in all the ways that God has intended life would come, he's come to give that to you and to me. The question, I think, is how does that happen? And we get a sense of it here in our gospel lesson today as we see Jesus appearing in the midst of the disciples who are behind locked doors. Their doors, their attempts to keep everyone out are not enough to keep Jesus out. And in some strange way, he appears, he materializes. We don't know if he goes through the wall or if he simply uh, sort of materializes. But there he is. And he immediately speaks a word, peace. A word of peace to these frightened men and women. A word of peace to people whose hearts have been traumatized over the past few days. As they watched him brutally beaten, tortured, crucified, killed, and buried. His first words to them in bringing new life are peace. Peace be with you. It's really the strongest thing he could have said, although it doesn't seem that way to us. And I'm amazed and I'm super delighted that the first thing he says to them is peace rather than shame on you. These are men who have betrayed him. These are people who have run away from him. These are people who have shown themselves to be unfaithful to the one they called Lord and rabbi and master and friend. And yet when he appears, he doesn't appear to crush them. He doesn't appear to wag a finger of shame and condemnation in their faces saying what so many of us have heard in our times of disappointment or brokenness. How could you? No, instead, Jesus speaks peace. Peace be with you. Shalom the goodness and mercy of God. It's a word we don't really, in our English language, have much equivalent for. About the closest we might get would be when someone comes to your home or maybe you go to somebody's house and they open the doors and they welcome you in and they say, I'm so glad you're here. My house is your house. Make yourself at home which is that invitation to go into the refrigerator 
and put your feet on the sofa and change the channels on the television set. Peace. It's a word of welcome. It's a word of rest. It's a word of come and make yourself at home with me. It's a strong word. It's a kind word. And it's representative of the heart of the true God, our Savior, Jesus. His will and his desire for you is that you would have peace, that you would have rest in his presence. No longer fear of God, no longer serving God because you're afraid of punishment, but resting with the God who created you, who loves you, and who longs to give you new life. And of course, the reason that he can say this word of peace is that that's what he's done. He's made peace between God and man through his death on the cross. That's why he immediately wants them to see his hands and his feet. Yes, he wants them to realize it's truly him, that it's the real Jesus. It's not some figment of their imagination. See my hands and my feet. Peace comes through the wounds of Christ. Peace between us and God comes as we go to the cross of Christ. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He shows them his hands and his feet, and it's his offer to enter into the shalom of God. He offers you the wounds in his hands and his feet so that you might enter into the peace, the shalom of God. What happens when you go to the wounds of Christ, to the cross of Christ, when you engage with him in truth and honesty, laying before him not your list of merits and accomplishments, but the things you don't want anybody to see, the very things that you wouldn't want even the person closest to you to know. What happens is he bears those things those shames, those sins, those failings, those disappointments in his own body on the tree. It's mysterious. Dare I say it's mystical. And yet it is true and it is powerful. The way of peace is to go to the wounds of Christ, to enter into the cross of Christ, to lay before him every shame and fear and disappointment and failing hiding nothing from him, but entering into this place. And in that place, you find peace. The place of turning away from self. The place of turning to God for what he alone can give. And that is peace. That's different from everything going right in your life, by the way. Some of us have a false notion of what peace is. If I have God's peace, then there will be no more problems. Not in this life. Actually, I have God's peace, and that's created a whole new set of problems because it often puts me at odds with the culture around me, and it'll put you at odds at times with the culture around you, the people in your offices, the people in your school, the people in your neighborhoods, because you begin to see the world through the wounds of Christ, through the peace of God. It changes you. It makes you alive. It's like Aslan breathing on the statues and bringing a new life to them a new vibrancy. Well, Jesus invites you to his peace. And why? As I said before, so that you might live fully. In this life, not just forevermore, in this life that you might live in fullness. Now, how does that happen? 
Well, I think we get a little bit of instruction in what he asks them immediately. He says, why are you so troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Here's my experience, having walked with God for many years, that having gone into the cross, and obviously that's not a one-time only event. There is an entry point, but he continually invites us to the place of the cross. But having gone there, having received life, having been made new, having been unstatued, if you will, he then invites us into our true hearts. He then invites you into the place of who you were really made to be and into his purpose. And that usually happens as you go into the place of your doubts, into the place of your troubles. The Bible says, above all else, guard your hearts. For from your hearts flow the issues of life. The enemy, and there is an enemy, who knows you and has sought to wreck you throughout the course of your life, has had a carefully arranged assault to break your heart, to cause you to numb out, to lose hope, to live from disappointment, and not from the vibrancy that Jesus wants you to have. But Jesus has come to restore that, to undo that, to set you free. But it means you'll have to go into your heart. It means you'll have to go with him into those places that are lost, broken, ashamed, afraid, doubtful, fearful, and allow him to meet you there. Here's the thing. He's not afraid of the things within you that you're afraid of. And in fact, in going to those places... Not only does he set you free, but he gives you an invitation to be a person who helps set other people free as well. The last thing the world needs is more Christians full of knowledge, but with no heart, with no life and no vibrancy. But it probably means you're going to have to go into some places that you've been avoiding so that he can meet you there. And, and show you how to find life from Him, not from the culture, not from the good things. And there are many good things we have around us that, that often are substitutes for the real thing that Jesus seeks to give. You know, I was thinking about the heart this morning, and I was reminded, as so often I am, of the songs of my life some of you may know the Rolling Stones, Shattered, Shadubi, right? You at least know that part. But what's happened to so many of our hearts along the way, they've been battered. They've been shattered. And they've not been mended very well. We, we tape them together. We patch them up. We put popsicle sticks around them and say, oh, it's casted and it's been made whole. And yet often we then limp throughout our lives, seeking to fill up the things that are broken. But what he says is, I can give you a new life. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to unshatter you, to unbatter you, to make you new. But here's what it requires. It requires a willingness to allow him to do the work because he won't force himself on you. He's so kind, he's so good, he's so gentle, yes, powerful and mighty, 
but he never violates your will. He won't force you to go there. He simply invites. He simply invites. He simply invites. We allow the Lord to meet with you. It, it won't get summed up neatly and nicely at the end of this sermon, by the way. Like we love a three-point sermon and then it's tidy and we've got our principle for living. You know, I like those sermons too. But, but this is, I think, to the deeper place that we're invited through this text. And I think that the Spirit of the Lord is offering to us today. We come through a, a weird, long, difficult year. Like our culture's divided, churches are divided, generations are divided. You know, you guys know all the stuff, right? I think we're being given an invitation by the risen Jesus not to just sweep it under the rug, but to allow him to meet us, to heal us, to give us new vision for what lies ahead. But that means you have to make space. And of course, we're all busy, over busy. And one of the few things that we need so much, but we tend to avoid so much is that quiet before the Lord where he can allow to sift up those things that cause you doubts those things that trouble you so that he might meet you in them and in meeting you in them give you new life I think that's the invitation that I've been hearing from the Lord for myself and I I believe for many of you the invitation God gives for a new life and for a deeper healing. Let's pray. Lord, many of our hearts are troubled and many of us have many doubts. You don't wag a finger at us. You don't say, haven't you learned yet? You show us your hands and your feet again. You open our minds to the Scriptures so that we might see how You are the provision for all our needs. You offer, you offer to make us new. So Lord, I pray for me and for my friends in this room, for this church, that You would call us forward. You call us to the secret place. You call us to the silence where we can become honest in your presence, that we might be remade, that we might be clothed with power so that we can be a witness of your goodness in the world. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.